0: The first thing I would ask you is this, who are your good people and what makes them special? Why are they important to you? Then what do you have to do to keep those people? Then two, what do you have to do to start targeting those people to find more of them?
1: Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoy today's featured message. Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council's podcast. I am excited to be here today with you. My name is Nick Koya with the Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation. And this is another part of our special Ohio Safety Congress 2022 series, highlighting some of the top presenters that we will be having at the conference this year. Keep in mind, the conference is going to be March 9th and 10th, and is open to anybody. You can enroll online at ohiosafetycongress.com. It's a great event. You don't want to miss this. We have top safety presenters from all across the nation coming into our event. You can learn about safety and health, HR, and many, many other topics. So don't forget to check out that website. Today, we're here with Tom Mobley from Mobley HR. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Nick. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today. I'm really excited to uh, have you here today because you're talking on a topic that really hits home with a lot of companies. I can tell you here in Northeast Ohio, where I consult at, it is the number one complaint I get when I walk in the door. While I'm here for safety and health, that's like second to them right now because they go, "We can't work as safely as we want to until we get our labor numbers up." And your topic is the pending labor shortage of 2010 is here. So uh, before we dive into your topic, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get into this? What do you do? What's your background? So the background is I've worked in the HR field for
0: 25 plus years and somewhere along the line, I had an opportunity to start teaching. So I kind of branched out and started teaching college courses back in the early 90s. And one thing leads to another, and I found myself kind of transitioning over to full-time teaching. So my day job is I'm a professor of human resources at the University of Cincinnati. I focus on organizational leadership, but a lot of the courses that I do are obviously in the HR focus, so staffing, employment law, human resource information systems, safety and health. And then on the side, I have a small consulting practice. Uh, focusing on leadership and development for employees, and then also working with HR professionals when they are pursuing their HR certification, either through the Society for Human Resource Management, SHRM-CP, SHRM-SDP, or the HRCI, Human Resource Certification Institutes, PHR, SPHR. Since 2018, I've worked with about 250 HR professionals from around the country, and kind of proud to say that we've got a 90% pass rate of those who go on to take their exam 90% 90% are passing it, which is significantly higher than the national pass rate. So
1: that's the day job and what I'm up to. You know, that's pretty impressive. So not only have you worked in the field, but now you're kind of molding and mending the minds that are coming into the field moving forward. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I'm sure you have a wealth of knowledge and experience behind you with this, which is great to hear. You know, as I look around us and what's happening here in the US, the pandemic happened, but I, I don't know if that was the only reason that we're seeing labor shortages. I think there's a lot of pieces happening around us and that's the big concern. So tell me a little bit about this idea, this presentation about the pending labor shortage.
0: So this actually goes back about 18 years, almost 20 years. And I was at an HR conference in New Orleans. And one of the speakers there was talking about the pending labor shortage of 2010, 2011. And what they were forecasting was the baby boomers were just going to start hitting 65 at that time frame. And when the baby boomers started hitting 65, I mean, the the old thought process was you work till 65, you retire, you go away and you enjoy retirement life. Well, a couple of things that happened that changed that situation. Number one, in 2007, 2008, 2009, we're in the middle of the Great Recession. And those folks that were tracking toward retirement, there's there's two other things that come into play, right? One, their retirement savings got decimated by the Great Recession. So what they thought they were gonna have got evaporated, number one. And number two, we still have a problem in this country where people don't save enough for retirement. So even if they had saved enough, you know, it got wiped out in part of that Great Recession. So when people are turning 65, they still have a lot of gas in the tank. They still want to work. And so when you combined the elements of the Great Recession with the fact that people at 65 still wanted to work, they didn't leave the labor force. But now we fast forward to 2020. And if we can remember where we were two years ago about this time, we had unemployment at about 4%. And what were employers howling about two years ago? We can't find people. This situation was two years ago. Well, then what happens? You know, COVID comes in. And again, now we have another major event that just kind of decimates the economy for a period of time. And what changes in this model now, or what's changed is, I think, you know, a couple of things that's impacted us number one, we have had, even with COVID, we've had a good run in the stock market over the last several years. And those folks that were eligible to retire or wanted to retire, you have a lot of people who are financially capable of retiring. So baby boomers are financially able to retire, number one, or a lot of them are. And then number two, they're not 65 anymore, they're 75. And so either they're eligible to retire because they, they, you know, they're at 65, or at 75, they're saying, I can't keep doing this full time. I got to change something. And so we've seen this huge movement of baby boomers out of the workforce. So that, that's element number one that's impacting this, this current labor shortage. So that's kind of kicked it into high gear. You know, the other thing that's happened when we went into COVID, people who wanted to keep working were able to find other jobs. And so what's happened is the labor force kind of migrated on employers and they moved to different employers. They, they move for higher wages, better working conditions, you know, better schedules, or they've said, I'm going to go it alone. I'm going to go into the gig economy and I'm going to make my way that way. And so we've had this big evacuation of the labor force that's happened. And so now here we are two years past the beginning of covid and the labor force has moved. You know, initially, if we remember what people were saying last summer, oh, well, nobody wants to come back to work because of you know, the government aid. and the Well, the government surplus, that, that, that additional money that they were putting in unemployment is all gone. And we haven't seen people drafting back into the workforce because many of those people had already moved. So here we are today, you know, sitting at in Ohio, the last numbers that came out with, 300,000 job vacancies and 200,000 people looking for work
1: you kind of hit on some things that that's, that's always been you know of, of interest to me related to this topic the gig economy and, and content creators is, is this new economy that's coming up too do you think people are just no longer wanting to work in the factories and they're finding different ways to make money be it self-employed small business you know doordash? Amazon drivers, all those things are coming out that are easy jobs that you can do for yourself. Is that affecting what's happening with our labor shortage? I think that's a big, again, I think that's a big part of it,
0: Nick. I think people have moved on to different opportunities. And so now what we're seeing employers doing is they are ramping up recruiting, but who are they recruiting? Well, employer A is targeting the employees at employer B. Now employer B is targeting the employees at employer C. And we're seeing this churning starting to take place. This is this should not come as a surprise because if we even if we go back five, 10 years and you surveyed employees, what they were trying to tell us is if I have an opportunity to go someplace else, I'm gonna take it. And now in the middle of where we're at today, those opportunities are out there. I, I spoke to an employer here in Cincinnati last week, manufacturer. Unfortunately, there are only 40 people short of having being fully staffed. And they said, hey, last week, we had a good week. We recruited seven people and they all showed up to work. And then we lost five. And this employer is, is kind of doing the normal things, right? The, or at least the new normal. They're offering a retention bonus and they're offering these new hires $5,000 if you stay with us for a year. So you get $1,000 after the first quarter. And people aren't even making it to the year.
1: So what is it that employees want? You know, because from a safety standpoint, you know, I worry about the labor shortage because companies I'm consulting with are doing more with less to it to a dangerous condition, though, right? Yeah. They're yeah. now running 12 hour shifts, mandatory overtime, pushing the limits of, of, of that production process because demand is so high. So what is it that you see that that employees want? Is it a money game? Is it a benefit game? Is it a flexibility game? What are people in the market looking for and what can employers offer? So
0: obviously, if if your comp and benefit pack is not competitive, that's a non-starter. So people expect the wages to be competitive. If you're going to tell me this is a great place to work, but we're going to pay you $9 an hour, people aren't going to come to that, right? So now we start to look at you know what do people want and what have they been telling us that they wanted, right? They want some flexibility in the workplace. So you know flexibility on their schedule so that they can deal with all the crazy things that goes on in life from dealing with your kids taking care of parents being able to do those extra things you want to do in life so they want that, that kind of flexibility but historically what has been the employer's mindset well you come on board you work a year and then you get a week's vacation right. who's going to stick around if that's where your package is and then now you add so, so just taking that as one example so now you say okay well I'll address that issue We'll start off with two weeks PTO day one. We'll, we'll give you that and you can, you can start taking that. And you, so, we, so you work that in, right? Well, now you do that. And what are your older employees saying that's been around for several years? They want more time. Now, how, how, yeah, I've been here for a while. How come they're getting that and I'm not? And so you've got a complex problem that you have to, you, you have to look at. I also don't know that employers do a good job understanding the cost of the turnover and the cost of the business. So you you speak of the the safety situation, right? And the risk that's going on when we're working 12-hour shifts, working short staff. people are trying to work faster, they're not paying attention, and then something happens. There's a cost to that, right? And what is that cost on the safety front? That's one. What is the additional cost to us on now we're having to run overtime? What's the cost on lower productivity? Because our numbers aren't as good doing it this way as if we were fully staffed. And if we can understand what that cost is, then we can make the argument for, okay, how are we going to reallocate some funds to deal with that? Because we're going to have to pay that money out if we don't fix it. Right. And I don't know that employers do a good job costing out the cost of where they're at. They don't do a good job costing, you know, what is the cost of where we're at? And therefore, how can we fix it? Because if I just come to you and say, hey, we need to offer everybody an extra week's vacation, we cost that out and say, we can't afford that. My question is, can you afford not to look at these things? And and again, vacation may not be your, may not be the elixir that you need in your workforce. Maybe your healthcare benefits aren't on par. But the other issue that you're facing with the workforce that's coming in especially the younger workforce that's in that 18 to 26 guess what they think of healthcare it doesn't matter to them
1: right yeah why
0: not because they're still riding on mom and dad's insurance and even if they're like i'm married and i'm on my own i can still carry my kids on my insurance so offering insurance to people at 26 or under that means nothing now i'm not saying we shouldn't offer it But that's kind of that that old mindset, right? The old mindset, hey, we got this insurance package, we got this benefit package. The current workforce doesn't understand that.
1: Do you think a mentality affects some of this too? You know, I give a a presentation at a lot of safety councils talking about generational differences in the workplace and how we engage them. And I'm finding that, you know, through a lot of research that baby boomers live to work, work to find who they are. That's a big part of who they are. And we're finding the younger generation just works to live. And so the amount of work that you're getting out of those different generations is different. The younger generation isn't willing to put in the 60, 70 hour work week worth of work that you were getting out of other generations. And does that start to create some of this labor problem?
0: I think so. I mean, I came out of college in the eighties. So what was I supposed to do? Well, supposed to get married, get a job, buy a house, have kids buy a car right and so get a house have kids buy a car so now now I've created debt for myself that I have to pay well where's the current workforce Some of them if they're living in cities maybe they have cars maybe they don't so they're not taking on a car debt maybe they're living at home maybe they're living in an apartment which there's a cost right I mean I mean it's it's kind of fun when I talk to my college students about you know what's your rent? And then i say, well, you know, I've been in my house so long that my mortgage is $600 a month. Right. And they're like, how is that? You know? But again, when I listened to what my parents' house payment was, I had that same kind of shock. It was like, what? You're only paying $300? I'm paying $600. I mean, so that's like, that's common. But if you're not having kids at 22, 23, and so so we see people putting off having kids. So that's not on their radar. And so it, it gets to you know they're, they're seeking more out of work and employers aren't speaking that language because we've got things to make and if we can't make these things, I can't pay you the money. And the, the workers like, what are you gonna do for me right? And so to me, part of this answer is you know as we said, if you're, if your' comp, if your benefits, if your working conditions, you know, if people come in and the people that they're working around, if they come in there and this is a bad environment, then those folks are saying, I'm out of here. But then let's assume that we we deal with the environmental issues. You know, you know, so so I'm taking care of the benefits, your comp is solid, you know, your working conditions are good, you have some flexibility. So then that next level is. What are we doing to show that worker that we're that we care about them and that we want to help them get to whatever that next level in life is? Now, yeah, not every worker is going to be the next plant manager. I get that. But, you know, what are the things that motivate them in life? And does the supervisor care? And that's a hard shift to change because if I've been your boss for the last five years and now I'm like, hey, Nick, did you have a good weekend? I'm like, why is Tom asking me about my week? What's up? Yeah. And so we've got the seed of distrust that goes on as we try to make this change. You know, some of your supervisors are like, I'm not giving out marshmallows and cookies fricking next week because you want production. And the only way to get production is to, you know, rule with the sign and the workers are just not having it. So culture is a big piece of that,
1: you know, and that's a piece that Mike and I uh, talk on this uh, podcast about often is changing the culture of organization from a safety standpoint a strong positive safety culture is going to go a long way. you can have all the policies in the world you can do all the audits in the world but it's not going to change anything if the culture isn't right yeah you know and And that's a slow change i mean you
0: think of think of like a like your personality right if if you've lived your life like so we we had a conversation about my beloved Bengals, right right And, and and what's my outlook on the Bengals over the last 30 years just wait They'll find a way to break our hearts. Somebody will do something stupid the day before the Super Bowl. Somebody will get hurt on the second play of the Super Bowl and it'll be all over. And if that doesn't happen, at the last second, we'll lose. And they always do. Right. Right. So that that's and and, and so that's my outlook on the Bengals. That's my outlook on life in general. And finally, you and I have a few, and you're you're like, Mobley, you have got you are such a downer. And and that's holding you back, and it's holding people around you back. Because People don't want to be around you. And I'm like, if I have that come to reality moment that, man, it's not really fun having this super negative outlook on everything. And if you, no matter what you say, it's like it's 70 degrees out, it's going to snow tomorrow. I mean, if that's my outlook, how long does it take me to change my personality? It takes a long time to make that change. Organizational culture, if we've had a rough culture and employees aren't buying into the safety, if the employee's mindset is, You talk safety, pal, but what you really mean is the numbers. That's what you care about. You don't really care. How long does it take? You're not going to change that this weekend. That is going to be a long, slow slog to change. And I get it. Do we have the time? We got to make it happen now. Or it's going to be long, so should we even bother? If you don't bother, you're going to keep getting the same results. Okay, maybe someday unemployment will shoot back up to 10% and you can hire for as many people as you want. I don't see that happening in the next 10 years. I mean, I just don't see that fundamental shift. And if you look at the good news coming out of Central Ohio in the last month, yeah. Intel's moving in, you know, another another automotive company's moving in to, you know, producing it with like 6, 700 new jobs coming into Central Ohio. And in my neck of the woods down here in the south southwest corner, south central corner, I know of more major announcements are coming down the pike. You know, Ohio is open for business right now and it's poised for that next move and 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 you look at what's getting ready to take place businesses are aligning to take that next step into the future economy and so now if I'm going to let's put, put me in that new business coming in you're darn straight that if I'm in charge of bringing new people in I'm going to work and I'm my darnest to find people who have that right cultural mindset because it's a lot easier to hire them on the start than to change them on the back end but right. doggone it, if you have 40 vacancies, like this small, like this mid sized manufacturer here in a south, Southeast Cincinnati, they better start figuring out what kind of people want to stick around here. What do we have to do to, to the work environment to improve it? And how do we target the people that we want? How do we target those people that have that can do attitude, have that attitude toward, I am willing to deal with change. I like change. I like that flexibility. How do we find those people? Because if you don't start putting the effort into recruiting those people, then you're going to keep getting the turnover. So what are you going to do?
1: Man, you know, I'll tell you, Ohio employers and employers across the nation have their work cut out for them. So, you know, as we wrap this up today, how yeah. about what's one thing? If I own a business, Koya Enterprises today, and I'm struggling, I'm struggling to find workers, I'm, I'm fighting the labor shortage. What is one thing you would have me go out and start doing today? One change you'd have me make?
0: The first thing I would ask you is this. Who are your good people and what makes them special? Why are they important to you? Then what do you have to do to keep those people? Then two, what do you have to do to start targeting those people to find more of them? And we have to stop saying, well, we need bodies. They'll do. Otherwise, you're going to keep getting more of the same. You're not going to get the traction. So who are your good people? Why are they good? What do we have to do to to lock them down, take care of them? And then how do we find more like them? And last yeah. I checked, there's no cloning machine yet. So you got to hang on to what you got. And how do you find more? That, that's step one in my mind or step one and two.
1: That's some good stuff right there. And I think that's a piece that employers need to focus in on, you know, yeah. before you lose the good people because you cycle too many bad people through and the good ones are going to leave next to. So yeah. retention, retention, yeah. and uh, looking at, you know, building upon those characteristics. Tom, thank you so much for being with us today. This is great. I cannot wait to hear your presentation. This is a piece that's of great interest to me, especially with what I'm seeing with my customer base. So I'm excited to hear more about it and start working with those customers to build that status up of employees so that we can start tackling the safety issues again. Thank you again for being here. Everyone, be safe out there and have a great day. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbeam, or Stitcher. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. To learn more about how your company can earn up to a 4% Ohio BWC premium rebate by becoming an active member of the Portage County Safety Council, please visit our website at www.portagecountysafetycouncil.wordpress.com.